Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. I'm Eleanor Balon. And I'm Jay Katanis. This season, we're exploring Filipino American Christian experiences from a variety of perspectives. Thanks for joining us. Once again, welcome to Centering the Asian American Ministry Podcast, where we are doing a special season on Filipinos and Filipino Americans. And I am one of your hosts, Eleanor, and this is my co-host, Jay. Say hello, friend. Hello, friends. (laughs) We welcome you here into this space. Today, we have the privilege of welcoming Drs. Alicia Del Prado and Stephanie Alviar, both psychologists who have just published their research on religious help-seeking in the Filipino community. And they just published their research in what has been a flagship edition of the Asian American Journal of Psychology. The reason it is a flagship is because it was the first one that's been dedicated to Filipino Americans in this community and really highlighted um, a lot of the really cool research and really uh, cool understanding that we are beginning to um, develop and deepen in the psychology realm on our community. So this is a major deal that that just happened. So I think a congratulations is due for both of you for leading the way and contributing to that special edition. So congratulations and also congratulations to all of us who will get to benefit from your research. So on behalf of the Filipino community, we thank you uh, and we thank you for the ways that we'll get to benefit from all of your hard work. So thank you so much. With that, um, Drs. Del Prado and Alviar, would you each mind introducing yourselves? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do as a psychologist. So why don't we start with Dr. Alviar? Sure. Thank you so much for having us again. Thanks for joining Um, us. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I graduated from the Wright Institute in Berkeley, California um, in 2020. And I primarily been working with uh, children, adolescents and families doing complex trauma work. I was recently working at a residential uh, facility for teenagers with a lot of acute um, stress Mm -hmm. and and challenge behavioral challenges and yeah and i and something that i'm also really passionate about in regards to um, psychology work is like the intersections of identities and multicultural identities and how we experience life and um, also experience our mental health challenges um, with with all of that so um, that's some stuff that i do and in particular what i've done in, in the paper that we're here to talk about today so yeah i think that's a little bit about me (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. Berkeley is actually where Jay and I met in 2016 at a Filipino leadership conference. So Berkeley has a very soft spot in my heart. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. How about yourself, Dr. Del Prado? Thank you for having us. It's really an honor to be here with Dr. Alviar and all of you. Um, I'm a counseling psychologist. I was doing the math in my head as Stephanie was talking and my first client I saw in 2001. So I've been in practice for 20 years um, and have been teaching at the Wright Institute in Berkeley, um, which is how Stephanie, Stephanie and I came together. And I actually have a private practice also in the East Bay in Danville, California, although with video help, see a 50% of my clients 
through the screen these days as, as well. And in terms of some of my specialty areas, um, ethnic identity and acculturation are topics near and dear to my heart. And that's actually how I joined the field of psychology and am really fascinated by and feel passionate about the concept of having constructive conversations. And specifically within the Filipina, Filipino, Filipinex community, how all of these topics come together. And so, yeah, I was really delighted to be one of the co-editors with Dr. Nadal and Dr. David on the special edition, the first of its kind journal, hopefully not the last, uh, yes. dedicated to <laughs> Filipino Americans. But yeah, it was really a special project. So being able to be on this podcast to talk more specifically about faith and religion and spirituality um, in our Filipino community is just really an honor. So thank you for having us. Oh, we're so grateful to have you. And yeah, I mean, faith, religion is such a huge part of our community. And I feel like regardless of where you are on the spectrum of, of belief and, and what that, how faith or religion plays a role in your life or doesn't necessarily, it's, it's still just a huge part of Filipino American culture. And so I'm so glad that we're going to get to talk about that and, and put some language to some of our experiences. So grateful for the both of you being here. I was actually going to ask how the two of you know each other. Um, so it's a birthday connection. <laughs> cool. Thank you for yeah, jumping ahead of that. Yeah, um, and I realized I probably should have added this to our backgrounds too, but something that Dr. Del Prado and I connect with is also our, you know, growing up um, in, in the Catholic faith, and which is what led us to this interest of, of the intersectionality of faith and, and mental health and help seeking. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I share that Catholic background with you. So I think we will be able to really dive in deep today. I'm so glad that you shared that. But something before we dive into, because we want to, um, Jay's going to ask you both a little bit about the article and the special edition of the Asian American Psychology Journal. But before we do that, we have a very important question to ask you both, which is, uh, what is your favorite Filipino comfort food at the moment? Mm. <laughs> So I'll just give you a moment to mull and then whenever I don't, ready. I don't need a moment. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> she knows, she knows what it is. She knows. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it is what we just had yesterday, which is um, my husband cooked. He, he literally said, we need some comfort food. I'm going to cook some adobo. So we had pork mm. <laughs> adobo yesterday, um, just came back from vacation, didn't have Filipino food on vacation. So, so I'm going to go with that, although I don't know if it's my favorite, but definitely came to mind yeah, it's a, especially when it's answer. made yes so, very solid answer mm -hmm. made with the hands <laughs> of your loving spouse <laughs> here you go that makes it even more delicious <laughs> okay Dr. I Aldea, think, do you have any more time yeah. you got it yeah no I got it I think I mean anything that my mom makes has always been like mm. a favorite but to be honest every time I go home this is probably the thing that I crave the most but it's the fried tilapia with mm -hmm. the bagoong and like nice. some tomatoes and onions like I'm just you know that that does it for me so yeah <laughs> I love fried tilapia, but like just the simple, like just dip the whole fish in oil, yep. let it get crispy and salty yep. on top of rice. Yeah. Speaking yep. language. That's home for me, so. <laughs> Have you all Let's eaten upo? Because that's, that reminds me of my grandma. It's like the upo is the vegetable. It's like this green vegetable and she would cook it with baby shrimp and ground beef. Anyways, it is amazing, but I can't cook it, but it's. Actually, when I was thinking longer, that would be my favorite comfort food. Mm. 
These are all good answers, and it's almost dinner time here, so. I guess Jay's (laughs) coming from Chicago. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, So we're really honored to have you and to hear about all of your work and whatever we can get into in the time we have today. Before we get into the specifics of the article we've mentioned, we are really interested because we are running what's called the Filipino American Ministry Initiative, or FAMI through Fuller Theological Seminary. And it is a unique space where Filipino-American cultural identity issues and the work of theology, spirituality, religion, and of course, psychology come together, which is an intersection that's not often studied. And your work then really stuck out to us. It caught our attention in that journal, that issue of the March 2022 issue for our listeners of the Asian American Journal of Psychology. And I was just wanting to hear and have our listeners hear a little bit more about the genesis of that issue. You know, whose idea was it to do a special issue devoted to our community or how did that come about? We'd love to hear that. Yeah, great, great question. So actually it was at a DOFA conference and there we were at the division on filipino americans a a meeting and during that meeting i believe dr kevin nadal who's a prominent filipino scholar shared was president at the time of the aapa Hmm. and despite that we shared how there was a dearth of literature and conference representation at the Asian American Psychology Conference. And and here we were saying, okay, here we technically have somebody in leadership and power, and that's huge, Mm -hmm. um, but we're still not seeing the research and traction and representation we need. So that was a meeting where there was kind of a call to action and that I would would say, you know, there's of course many events, but that's the one that sticks out in my mind. Mm where we said, you know what, we need a conference. And so we decided to have our own conference in addition to the Asian American Psychology Association Conference. And that first one was actually in Berkeley. And now we've had, I think, four so far. It happens every every two years. And then the other thing was maybe we need our own journal. And so that was one of the times that idea came on board. And then Dr. Um, E.J. David, who's based in Alaska, he's currently an editor on the Asian American Psychology Journal. And so he and Dr. Nadal invited me to be one of the co-editors of that issue. And so that's kind of the short story of how, you know, and it it took several years to kind of go from idea to action and implementation. And um, also during the pandemic was when we were getting articles in. So it took a long time to get to this moment. So appreciate all the elders who came before us, who inspired and were the yes. first and then trying to kind of keep that going. And as we know, when it's in writing, it takes on a new power that will inspire future generations to write and build on that on that research. Wow. Yeah, it seems like then Berkeley really is this place of, of birthing and of generating ideas and community for a lot of our Filipino-American studies and research, which is like Eleanor said, where we met at a a leadership conference and that's kind of in the spirituality and um, ministry setting. And I was just there two weeks ago for a gathering of religious scholar, Filipino-American religious scholars and theologians Mm -hmm. at the Pacific School of Religion. So that's exciting to hear about all that kind of coming together. Well, and and I think that, 
unfortunately, or maybe with good reason, psychology has not really touched religion much. I know in my training, which I think I had good training, but for my training, the idea was if a client brings up religion, don't talk about it. I literally had a professor tell us that and I was like, what? Mm. You know? And data-wise, therapists and psychologists, those who enter that profession, prevalence-wise, they're not religious. There's not a high number of people that actually embrace religion. Um, there's more atheist and agnostic people joining that field. So you have a lot of factors as well as theoretical factors from some of the psychological founders to not touch religion. Um, but we know that even in the USA, let alone the Philippines, the people we serve are are, are religious. And Absolutely. so we're not, yeah. I believe, doing justice to the potential clients and current clients if we don't touch it. It's just as mm. important, and I, you know, as we all know, and the listeners know, just an important part of identity and health as other aspects. Um, so that's why I think Dr. Alviar and I are, have been intrigued by this idea, the complexities, yeah. the contradictions, the stressors, as well as the beauty and helpfulness of religion. Wow. You said a lot. I, goodness. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. It's, it's also really cool to just hear about the generativity that's happening among um, Filipino psychologists. And we're all big fans of Dr. David and Nadal. And I mean, honestly, I'm a big fan of you too, Dr. Del Prado, because I see you up there with them. And so, you know, excuse me for fangirling a little bit, but so honored <laughs> to have you here once again, once again. Aww. So happy. Very kind. Um, but that's that's actually a great segue. Um, the way that you explained yours and Dr. Alviar's interest in in why this is important to do and and fill this gap in the field of psychology. So, um, Dr. Alviar, I'm curious. You had mentioned that this article that you wrote, which is awesomely titled "Just Go Pray About It," you should pray about it. I was like, yes, this is so snappy. I love it. But you wrote this article in this research and you said it was related to your dissertation. And I don't know if you've probably heard this, but as a PsyD student who's also doing her own dissertation work, I hear a lot that dissertations tend to be me search instead, you know, like instead of research. Um, it's like that's just like great. always related <laughs> to us. So that's that feels very personal to me. But I was just wondering if um, if that was true for you too, if your dissertation felt like me search, like where does this come from for you um, mm -hmm. in your like personal life? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have to agree with you. I think um, there was something um, about the idea of a dissertation that I was like, well, I'm, I want to do something that I'm going to want to look at for years right <laughs> so it's like <laughs> so if that's gonna, that if is that's wise gonna advice for thing, any yes <laughs> yeah so if that's gonna be you know something i'm gonna be so close to for for a while then i want it to be something meaningful to me right and and one thing that i i didn't see was that there was a part of my identity that i i couldn't find and I couldn't see in the professional setting or in research um which then what was was really interesting because Dr. Del Prado was a mentor of mine during during my program, and we would have conversations about these, you know, our identities and the intersectionalities of it. And I don't know if I even I told you, Dr. Del Prado, but like I felt like 
I don't think I could do a dissertation with faith in it. Like I, at one point I thought I was going to just like wow. put that aside, even though I was so interested in that um, mm -hmm. and understanding faith and mental health. And then all of a sudden, Doctor, I think it was at a presentation that we were doing, Dr. Del Prado, you came up to me and you're just like, hey, what do you think about doing a dissertation on faith and um, Filipino Americans? And I was like, Dr. Del Prado, are you serious? <laughs> so, <something>. you know, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. So it was something about, you know, knowing that this is a part of me and it's probably mm -hmm. a part of so many other people and that it needed it to be needed to be out there and so um i think that was a huge reason for it and has so much meaning for me for sure personally yeah good. i and i i feel like we're in a very similar boat but i just want to acknowledge the courage and bravery and conviction it takes to do something like that to bring your full self into your research and go for it you're like this is something that is true to who I am, I'm just going to go with it. And I can almost guarantee you that other people are going to relate to, to what you, yeah. to what you did. So just yeah. acknowledge yeah. the conviction, the courage of conviction, that's something it takes to lead the way. So yeah. oh, I'm getting emotional. And, and I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think too, with research is that like, I, I starting this, I really didn't know what I was going to find. Like it was very much as the title says, an exploration of what even the relationship is between mental health, Filipino identity and faith. Right. And so I didn't know, I just knew that it was important to me, <laughs> but I wanted to know what it was, what it would be like for other people and uh, fascinating what we found, but yeah. yeah, why don't why don't why don't we go ahead and start talking about what are some of the things that you found some of your major findings? Sure. Yeah, I think um, one of the big things that that we found was this experience within our uh, among our participants where Catholic and identity and Filipino identity were kind of like infused and intertwined and so mm -hmm. much a part of their like development and upbringing um, and their understanding of what it meant to be Filipino was kind of like, you know, uh, mixed mixed in with what it meant to be Catholic. So mm -hmm. like one of our participants even said, like, we would go to, ch to church and then, you know, after church, we would go to our family's house. So it was like a whole day, a whole Sunday of like church and family. And so it was like the same thing for them or, mm -hmm. you know, um, going to a Catholic events and there being like a, a bunch of people and food. And so it was kind of like, oh, well, my family's here and there's you know and and yeah. there's faith and or going to a family event where they would have parties but they know they would have prayers on the side so then that also felt like a filipino and catholic event so it was just like <laughs> so many experience of it just being very much intertwined that was one thing that was very salient to to our um, participants yeah i i know that you sorry to cut you off i I know oh, yeah. that you were saying that this was more so an exploration, like you were just going to dive in and see what you found. But did you have any like kind of loose working hypotheses going in? Was that something you expected was to find that you were like expecting to see how intertwined faith and religion and family culture was for Filipinos? Yeah. And I think like part of that also came from like my own experience is that I knew for me, mm -hmm. it was pretty like intertwined um, and difficult to kind of separate and maybe until like, you know, more specific um, delving into where you can kind of be like, okay, yeah, this is my family. And maybe like the cultural parts of being Catholic. And this is what it means to like practice Catholicism for myself. Right. Like, but, but other than that, like, I, I think I had that inclination that, that it would be pretty intertwined. And I think that, you know, what, 
Stephanie's highlighting about the source of community that can be found in faith and a religious community, whether it's Catholic or Christian or other faith traditions, is such an important thing for therapists and priests as well and pastors to know because it is, it's such a buffer for stress mm-hmm. and other hardships in, in the world. And we, we, we learned that during the pandemic when we were so socially isolated as well. But I also think it becomes really tricky then because when there's trauma in the community or if the community is, mm. is the cause of the trauma, then that makes it very, very challenging of how to hold on to the things that are helpful to the person, but also let go of the things that are unhelpful or re-traumatizing. Mm. So I think one of the things that was found, you know, in the research study is that complexity. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, Dr. Ocampo's work in the Latinos of Asia mm-hmm. book also supports those findings and vice versa. Yes. Definitely, definitely wanting to highlight that there are both benefits and negatives to identifying as Catholics, right? Like participants talked about the benefits of prayer or the appreciation of certain values, like loving your neighbor or, you know, being of service and being generous to others, right? And then there's also those negative aspects of disagreements with specific issues that the church is like, you know, speaking out about, or even the negatives of, I think there was a couple of participants who discuss how to kind of reconcile that the Catholic faith was brought to the Philippines through colonization, right? And so like reconciling those parts of you. And, and I think one thing that is so important is that in regards to identity and and the makeup of like who we are as people like there are going to be different parts of us that seem to like contradict or like go against Mm. each other um and i think it's so important though to be able to sit with those tensions or and not necessarily try to resolve it or maybe it makes sense maybe it doesn't but i think it's important to to kind of sit with those tensions and our participants in the study did such a good job like eloquently saying that how like there's just different parts of them that they're just like i don't sometimes i don't know how to reconcile it and other times i do and i have peace with it and so yeah i think that thank you for bringing that up dr Alpro. yeah great point yeah that's i i love what you're saying about the complexity about the contradictions about how just our we ourselves as people are complex and you know, I can like country music and like rap at the same time. I mean, that's like such a lame <laughs> example. But um, this idea that we are complex. And I think that in, in my limited experience as a psychologist, I've been finding that um, sometimes we suffer when we aren't able to tolerate the ambiguity, tolerate the complexity. And so I'm, I'm very gladdened to hear that some of your participants were like, yeah, it's complex. I'm fine with it. Duh. (laughs) You know, like that they were okay with it. And so I think that that's, that just stands out to me, um, that you found people that were okay with the complexity. But I think I've also, as you have um, alluded to, experienced ways of um, living out of faith in a way that can sometimes feel rigid and is not as flexible and how that can Mm -hmm. sometimes cause suffering as well. And so I don't know, tell me if I'm jumping out ahead here, but I'm curious what were some of the ways that you found were unhelpful ways of going to religion or or using religion to cope? What were some unhelpful things that you found in your research? 
Yeah, I think one one thing that pops out that I'm remembering is one of the participants talking about how much it negatively impacted them to ha experience such like rigidity and like like narrow structure that they they had to follow certain rules or they and they gave examples of you know having been at a I think it was a Catholic school and they they just felt that they they you know couldn't think outside of the box or they had to do something or else um, they you know they were sinning or going against God or being punished in some way and so I think that's like that would be like a, I think a good example of of how it can become negative and and then also from that and the different messages that you get, right? That like, oh, I'm not doing things right or I'm not good enough. Like it can induce mm. guilt and shame that also impacts mental health. Yeah, when you say uh, the thought of, I feel like I'm not good enough, it reminds me of colonial mentality. Just like this idea that I'm just going to denigrate myself. Yeah, I don't know if that's just a thought that came up to me. I don't know if there's anything, if that is related to what you were saying. Um, yeah, I think that's one, one thing that I like, you know, pops up for me. And I think about is that, you know, how much, how much, what parts of the faith does feel like it's um, being oppressive or maybe maybe it's because it's connected to you know colonialism I, I don't know but but all these like potential maybes of like where where does this part come from in our face right like why do we have to be so rigid and like is there a space to be open to trying things differently or doing things differently and not having to be so rigid right and I think that in terms of, it's like the both and, like the structure can be really helpful for people, the rituals, sure. the, the rules. Um, and then for others, it can be rigid, as was just said, and, and restrictive. And so when it comes to gender roles, acknowledging different types of relationships, I think that when those things are equated to sinful, you know, understandably, that can bring up pain for people. And so I think those are examples that also come to mind for me in that when I'm working with clients who might really be fused with some of the traditions of their church and then are challenging it or are having internal dissonance because there's one thing that they think maybe about their gender identity as an example and then they're being taught something else through their sometimes their family and their church it's like how do you reconcile that and i think in a therapy role i think what's beautiful is that we can just sit and listen and help them hopefully sort through the <laughs> contradictions they're experiencing in a way that's not feeling judgmental. But it does mean, as you know, we were saying, having our own history with religion and our own feelings about what mm -hmm. we agree or disagree with, you have to really be in check with your own stuff <laughs> so mm -hmm. that you can, you know, help yes. them figure out their path with their own 
faith and, and how they want to kind of sort through it. I will say, though, that when I see things in, and I know we're talking a lot about the, the Catholic Church today, but that are oppressive, I'm not shy to acknowledge them with my clients because I don't mm-hmm. want to participate in any kind of gaslighting um, for them. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I will try to acknowledge that and also know that it doesn't mean that all of their experiences are, are therefore bad and need to be rejected. So try to stay with them in that complexity. This is really um, reminding me of the conversation a moment ago about, you know, the personal nature of our research, how it's often me-search. And uh, what I appreciated when reading the article in the journal was the way that you brought in an auditor, uh, someone from a different background to just give a look at things and see to what extent, you know, your own research biases as mm-hmm. Filipina, Filipino American Catholics or people who grew up Catholic may be entering in. And I'm just, I would love if you would speak a little bit more to that, not only because we have a lot of grad students who will listen and faculty, mm-hmm. and this is helpful for methodology, but also because I think it says a lot for us as Filipino Americans who are in the academic space, um, as we kind of struggle to navigate studying our own communities, there's just these mm-hmm. temptations to sometimes idealize and, or on the other hand to, you know, denigrate. And I would just love if you would say more about the mm-hmm. calling on that auditor to come in and work alongside you. Sure. Yeah. I think that was, um, it was important to me that I was not projecting my own experience onto my participants or the their answers to any of the questions that I asked. And I, you know, the things that I was reading and what I found in the interviews, you know, I didn't want to put too much of a tinted lens on it. Right. And I understand and I acknowledge too that like I can't fully be objective in that sense because I do come with all of my own experiences and and identities as well that are similar to the topic. And so I thought that it would be, well, Dr. Del Prado and I, and I agreed that it would be best to, to bring in somebody else, totally different cultural background to look into the data and make sure that I was, I was actually pulling themes out that, you know, were there and not just making them up because of, you know, my biases. So, sure. Yeah. The direct quotes help too. I mean, the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, good. Yeah. They did actually say that. <laughs> That was right. That was that that supports the theme. Absolutely. Yes, we didn't make it up. There's a direct quote here. (laughs) Exactly. And part of the title that you brought up, Eleanor, is actually a direct quote as well. So I didn't come up with it. Somebody said it and I was like, oh, that's that's perfect. (laughs) What I love about that title, too, is it could be both. Right. Just pray about it. It could be super helpful. I mean, prayer can be um, a ritual for anxiety. It's like I can't think about it anymore. I'm going to give it to somebody else to think about a higher power. But it also could be dismissive. Here's my problem. Just pray about it. (laughs) You know, and highlights both. Right. Highlights both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, as folks who, you know, as somebody that's been in the church, that answer, just just pray about it. Like you're not being faithful Mm -hmm. enough. 
um, has been hurtful in a lot of ways um, and just, yes, dismissive, as you were saying, Dr. Del Prado, and just made me feel like I wasn't really being heard. But then there have been times where people like came alongside and prayed with me. I'm just like, okay, cool. This, this is helpful. <laughs> like the support mm -hmm. and, and bringing, like laying it at God's feet and, you know, kind of like a positive way of thinking like, Bahalatna, like I, I can't do anything else. So here right. you go, Lord. And I know Bahalatna is like a complex idea as well. So maybe we'll talk about that another time, but um, yeah. And my brain, I, I feel like you all are opening my brain to like 20 different rabbit holes. I'm like, oh, let's go down there and explore that. But I did want to just loop around. I know that we had started talking about Dr. LVR, um, some of your major findings, and you had talked about how life and, and family and culture and faith is all intertwined. I was just wondering if there were more major findings that you wanted to share about, um, about how, how Filipinos engage with their faith. Um, I just sure. want to loop us back to that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So in addition to that, and what we were talking about in regards to having mm -hmm. experiences of both negative and positive, something that I also found fascinating, which uh, connects to a previous research study that found found a similar um, thing was that Filipino Americans will g seek help first from family, friends, um, and their faith before seeking a, a, someone who's a professional. That was interesting and, I, and I'm glad that it corroborated with the previous research. Um, I think there's a lot that goes into that finding, a lot about uh, that says about, you know, Filipino values in regards to family and the importance of working through your issues with your family, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be like a, a very beautiful thing when you have the people that you're closest to, to be able to discuss that, right? Whatever issues that you're, you're dealing with. And I think the flip side of that too, is that if the cultural value or your experience is that I need to talk to my family and my close friends about it, and we don't really have good conversations or I feel dismissed mm. or I'm not listened mm. to, then that could also be a negative as well when the real need is is a professional. I think sure. that's complex <laughs> as well when we see the the different parts of, yeah, why, why Filipinos um, experience that. Dr. Del Prado, I don't know if you want to add more to that. I think we kind of alluded to it earlier in our conversation, this idea of like being culturally Catholic and I've heard some of my colleagues and friends sometimes identify I'm culturally Jewish, but I'm not practicing, you know, and I think that's a thing for Catholics as well. And especially I think for Filipino American Catholics, and I, I would venture to say Filipino Catholics as well. And so I, I just wanted to kind of underscore that because I think thinking through that. And, and I think there might be some very, you know, I'm thinking of some of my own family members, some devout Catholics that would kind of frown on that <laughs> and wouldn't think that's a good idea. Probably don't have an opinion on that part, but just wanted to acknowledge mm -hmm. that. I think when we think about the health of folks and the mental health of folks, just being able to ask that question, how, what does the, what does Catholicism mean for them? The, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. So we've been saying, or maybe the gray. And the other piece about rituals and how rituals are helpful in general for folks. And I was thinking specifically about certain types of prayers that, that I think that some clients find helpful. And that again, can be, can alleviate suffering. And I'm really interested in that overlap 
of what are the aspects that are helpful and that can make one feel closer to their faith traditions if they have them or want to explore them. And then also the acknowledgement of the, the pain points and of the things that maybe don't feel reconcilable, whether it's abuse in the church or not recognizing certain communities from the GLBTQ community. Um, and of course that depends on the church and depends on on the state and all these things but mm -hmm. but i think just being able to to talk about it because i think that the other piece is respect for authority but i think mm -hmm. that can be good and bad right and so and and sometimes i have found that due to respect for authority including of, of priests and i probably would put um i i was taught by many catholic nuns who i have a near and dear kind of place in my heart, um, but and, but due to nuns too, the, the conversation isn't necessarily, let's talk about it, right? It's more like respect your elder, consume what you're being told. And I honestly, that probably got me through grad school to be able to, to do all things. <laughs> and at the same time, it can really shut down constructive thinking and, you know, creativity. So I wanted to just acknowledge again that the idea of respect for authority and how that can be a positive and also have some cons to it. And speaking of like finding support with the with faith, it was interesting because participants weren't necessarily going to like religious leaders, like priests or or their pastors to to find and, and get support. Uh, it was more so these practices that Dr. Del Prado was talking about. And so I kind of, it was really interesting to hear some examples that they gave in regards to whether it was like praying in front of the Eucharist or doing a rosary that people really felt that these were like meditative experiences that helped them to ground and to be present. And when we think about mental health and, and coping skills specifically, like these are very core to you know the coping skills that we want people to be able to practice right um to 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 be grounded to stay mindful and aware of what's going on internally externally and in order to to experience some relief and so it was really interesting um that people were sharing that i'm really grateful for this conversation and for the work that i think not only you've done but that this will probably open up for others who may want to, you know, research and write an undergrad paper or a, a master's thesis, or often one leads to the next, and then next thing you know, they decided to pursue doctoral studies on this topic because you've opened the door for them and shown them that this can actually be done and and published in a peer-reviewed journal uh, that people would respect, right? So I'm grateful, and yet I'm not someone who grew up Catholic, and I am a Protestant pastor. And, you know, this has been a crazy two, three years and ongoing of strife and turmoil and mm -hmm. a tidal wave of mental health challenges in our communities. Yeah. And I've yeah. been a person who grew up in Filipino American Protestant communities and still now serve one. And so I, I would love if either of you, Dr. Alviar, Dr. Del Prado, could help us as pastors or as there are many seminarians who will listen to this as well and people in different aspects of ministry campus ministry lay ministry etc what is what are some things that you wish people who are religious leaders knew that would help them to serve 
their communities or our communities better? Such a great question. Um, and I think is, you know, part of why I really wanted to do this re type of research is that I, I want people to take it and use it, right? Use it effectively to serve other people. And I think one of the things that would be important obviously is to know, to know your flock, essentially know the people that you're serving, what they struggle with. And then also to, to be aware and provide space, um, not just for conversation regarding mental health, cultural identity, but also understanding the tension that we've been discussing throughout this whole, you know, mm. conversation of, of both positives and negatives. And I think in a lot of ways, especially being Filipino American, right, we're all, always kind of caught in between something mm -hmm. that there's always mm -hmm. two sides or more like pulling us in different directions. And so to be able to acknowledge the tensions within um, the people that you serve and to give them space to to exist in that and to help them think through pray through you know a healthier way of functioning hmm. yeah i would really hope for and invite you know even more partnerships with mm -hmm. religious leaders and therapists and you know, I've seen it at some parishes and it's really amazing when there's just kind of an overt acknowledgement of mental health issues and not kind of one or the other, like you have to pick to talk to your pastor or your therapist, it can be both. Right. And I think that validation of therapy from religious leaders, I think goes so far because there's already that trust um, no, I don't think, you know, this wide endorsement of all therapists it necessarily, it could be therapists, you know, and trust and think would be a good fit for your congregation. But I, I think that is really, we found that in this study, as well as other studies where that credibility that religious institutions have for many people can be such an amazing gateway to mental health services. And it might be individual, but it could be, you know, um, a Bible study or kind of at groups where you're having a guest lecture or, a, you know, a partner in that way. I, especially when I think about like depression and suicide and, you know, how that's sadly been on the rise and both attempts and completions during the pandemic including of course of our youth and just seeing these ways to be preventative if possible um, through the partnerships of, of therapists and religious leaders where you know there's that credibility and trust and then being able to do good assessments and get people into the services that they need the other thing i think is you know the newsletters the bulletins having you know small articles small tips featuring a local therapist or something, you know, ways to, again, validate and acknowledge that. And I think that it, the stigma around getting help is better than it's been, but it's still there. And I guess the last thing I'd highlight is just, um, you know, the concept of acculturation and, and culturation. And so hmm. helping um, pastors and priests and other religious leaders really think about for each you know, parishioner, what, what's their enculturation level? Like how much, even if they're Filipino or Filipino American, how much do they connect to that cultural mm -hmm. identity? And right. 
Um, it, as we know, it varies and it depends and it's complex. Um, but I think that, you know, that I think can help really meet people where they're at. And also, especially, I think especially if the religious leader isn't part of the community, you know, can really help avo- help them avoid stereotyping and pigeonholing, mm-hmm. pigeonholing, but really opening opening that up. And so, yeah, I wanted to make a plug for for that as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think mm-hmm. the idea of normalizing good therapy is so important in religious communities. In our another episode, Eleanor and I were talking about our therapists mm-hmm. who we see, and I, I'm just saying other pastors and seminarians, but I think not just clergy people, but I'm saying if you're a clergy person, you, you need to go to therapy. <laughs> it's like, you're going to be taking care of other people snap, and helping. <laughs> you need help. You need people to help care for you and you care for yourself with some professional guidance. So, um, but yeah, really appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yes. laughs> and we're all human, right? We need care. So. Um, I really am grateful for that, and I hope folks will start to think through, especially church leaders, who is on our referral list, mm-hmm. who are the nearby professionals who we can refer folks to when they are in need or when we are in need, right? And I'll say that that's what, you know, aspirationally therapists try to do too, right? Like, no pastors in our community that we can refer people out to. So I'm yes. that's really exciting to hear and, and it's a two-way street. Yes. <laughs> but thank you so much for all of your insights and all of your work and for bringing mm-hmm. all of who you are. Um, just to sum us up here, uh, today we talked about some of the ways that religion can be helpful and unhelpful for uh, folks in the Filipino community and how it plays a huge part in our lives and our culture. One of the biggest things we talked about is how do we stay flexible? How do we sit in the gray as ministers, as psychologists, as people, as disciples of Jesus, um, who, by the way, Jesus also tended to play around in the gray areas of life. So how do we do Mm -hmm. that as well and do it in a a helpful way? I think another thing that stands out to me from our episode um, today was just Dr. Alviar's story of leaning into the fullness of your identity as a doctoral student and the overlapping complexity and how you were like, courageously moving forward to do this research. So that's something that we're hoping for our listeners, um, for those who are Filipino and those who are not Filipino as well, but especially for those who might identify as being Filipino. We just want to say your identity, your passions, they're beautiful. You have so much to offer, and we hope that you feel empowered to lead your church, lead your community, your families, your lives out of the fullness of your out of your identity. Good. And lastly, do either of you have websites or socials that you'd be okay with people reaching out to you? No pressure, but if you wanted folks to reach out to you, where could they do that? Definitely. Mine is a very creative at Dr. Del Prado. So uh, straight very to nice. the point. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So on, on yeah, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. That's amazing. I actually um, got rid of my Instagram for right now. It's deactivated. I need to kind of revamp and rethink some things. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to you guys if, um, you know, the resources there and I'll, I'll send maybe, it over. Maybe you can at you should pray about it will be your new handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect. I'm ready for that Netflix comedy show. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for your Netflix show that you should pray about it. Um, but we can also put that in the show notes. But yeah, once again, thank you, Dr. Alicia Del Prado and Dr. Estepani Alviar for joining us. 
The article that we've been discussing is once again titled, You Should Pray About It, Exploring Mental mm. Health and Help Seeking in Filipino American Catholics. This article can be found in the March 2022 Asian American Journal of Psychology, which is available to Fuller students on the library website. So please go check that out. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to being with you again in the next episode of Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. Thanks for listening to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. This episode was produced by Jason Chu and edited by Alexander Catedral with music by Mark Redito. Please join us again next week or browse our archives on your favorite podcast directory. And above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are. Thank you.